Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to episode two of S Club, CityWire Wealth Manager's new podcast series, which takes a deep dive into the world of social impact investing. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tim Martin of Cavendish Ware. Tim is the lead analyst on Cavendish Ware's impact portfolio, and he'll be answering our questions and talking all things social impact today. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Could you kick us off by giving us a brief overview of your role at Cavendish Ware? Yeah, hi Ross, thank you. Um, yeah, so I am. Uh, we are basically a financial advisory firm, um, and within that we have a small investment team. So my role is sitting on this investment team, um, and I basically assist with the management of our model portfolios that we run. So we have five kind of risk-rated uh, model portfolios, and then at the start of 2020 we launched our impact portfolio. Um, and the objective of that is to provide a level of social impact alongside a financial return. Perfect. And before we delve into impact as a subcategory, everyone's talking about ESG at the moment. So what is ESG investing to you? Yeah, so ESG is, is, is not an asset class. Um, it's a widely adopted concept and it's um, it spans a whole range of asset classes. Okay, so, you know, your, your, your typical UK equity manager will have an ESG policy of some sort even a commodities manager is very likely to have a uh, ESG policy of some sort so we look at the spectrum of capital which basically ranges from kind of traditional um, investing processes um, right the way through to impact investing on the other side and the first kind of step on the journey from traditional investing to impact investing is is um, adopting some of these ESG principles um, and we believe they're more focused on risk management than anything else. And that's because they can include risks that would be capable of outweighing an investment case if they weren't properly weighed up. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, impact investing, um, it's related to thematic investing, um, but it's different in that there's an additional element to the return, i.e. there's some kind of social return in addition to the financial return. Um, we believe that fund managers who specialise in picking companies through thematic methods can typically develop uh, strong processes that are kind of translatable to impact investing. Okay, and within the context of ESG still, we're going to be going under the bonnet of all things social, all things S and ESG today. Do you think the S gets enough attention compared to its E and G counterparts? And then within that, are there any social issues that you think deserve more attention? Yeah, so... If we take ESG, uh, we've kind of outlined it makes sense for risk management, okay, because there can be risks within there. Um, just for example, the risk E can bring to an old energy giant in a transitioning world, or the risk G can bring to a company with imperfect processes or, you know, a lack of boardroom diversity or just weak corporate structure. Um, these examples kind of imply ESG is more widely used to minimise the negative effects first, maximise any positive benefits. In our opinion, the S in ESG is the easiest place to start considering some of these positives. Um, if we go back to the, the spectrum of capital, which I mentioned a moment ago, it's uh, first a focus on negative screens, i.e. avoidance, um, and then a positive screen that takes you through on your journey from ESG right the way through to impact. So in short, we believe the S is very important in beginning to use a positive screen. And explains why the UN Social Development Goals provide such a useful framework for impact investing objectives. The S is also really useful for including various themes within a portfolio. So 
within our impact portfolio, within our kind of main um, equity holdings, we split those into generalist and thematic strategies. And typically each strategy in a thematic bucket is focused on a particular S, i.e. a particular social need or theme. Excellent. And then to delve a little bit further into the S and almost take social impact investing as a subcategory of that, how would you summarize the goals of social impact investing? Yeah, so the goals typically combine some form of social and financial return. Um, and social goals are really broad term. They just encompass some area of developmental need, basically. So it could be from improved services such as educational healthcare um, to combating environmental goals and pollution, things like that. So it can be very broad. Um, the relative importance of the financial return versus the social return and vice versa obviously can differ from person to person. So with our impact portfolio, we try and blend the two. Um, we try and achieve some kind of social return alongside a financial return. But we do recognise that there's very likely to be inherent style biases within these types of portfolios, i.e. growth and small cap biases. So at times they're going to act as either a headwind or a tailwind um, in terms of the traditional financial return. Okay. And what would you say is the biggest hurdle to these goals being achieved? So the biggest hurdle in terms of the social goals is basically a poor alignment of a portfolio with them. So therefore you get a low social impact, a low social return. So it's very important to consider that in part of the due diligence in assessing impact vehicles. Um, the biggest challenges there, are, well, firstly, opinions by nature are very subjective. So, you know, you could give me the impact case for something and I could point out, you know, two, three, maybe more kind of negative externalities of that. So as a very basic example, if we look at solar panels, obviously they're really important for uh, transitioning to renewable energy and the generation of that. but they also contain several toxic components or components that are really difficult to recycle or dispose of in a clean way, which um, means when it's time to upgrade these things to increase efficiency, uh, it's difficult to actually do that in, in an environmentally friendly way. Um, some other difficulties are that data vendors can apply slightly different methodologies. So you can get different ratings on companies and funds, uh, depending on where you're looking. Um, depending on where their focus is. Maybe it's on the E, maybe it's on the G. You can get different scores basically for the same underlying company. So um, there's a few there's a few challenges there. Yeah, of course, uh, there's a lot of subjectivity, isn't there? Um, how does all of this vary across asset classes? So in terms of what's available kind of out there at the moment, um, the kind of highest availability is in the equity space, um, which intuitively makes sense. You're buying the ownership of a company that's addressing some kind of social need or area of development. And the, the case for impact there is quite clear. In terms of fixed income, um, they're quite underrepresented and they are growing by number. Um, but again, the impact case can be quite clear to make, well, I believe anyway. So effectively fixed incomes, just debt instruments raised for, for a particular project. If the project aligns um, with some kind of social return or some kind of social need that it can be quite uh, simple to follow the proceeds through to measure the impact um, from that particular investment um, the issue you get is kind of issue versus issue and which is more important i.e um, the issue itself may be for a project that meets the kind of criteria to be socially acceptable or provide some kind of social return but perhaps it's from a company that 
doesn't necessarily intuitively um, do that. So it's it's um, that's the kind of challenge within fixed income space. Okay, thank you. And just to delve a little bit deeper into the fund selection process, um, how do you expect fund managers to measure the social impact of their underlying holdings? Yeah, so obviously financial return, the first element or one of the elements, very easy to, to measure. Social return, obviously a lot more, a lot less straightforward. So firstly, we understand it's, it's an evolving space and that best practices are still developing. Um, no methodology is perfect, but we believe SDG alignment, i.e. alignment of the portfolio with the UN social development goals uh, mapped by revenue, probably the simplest methodology uh, to, to justify. Um, so when we're talking to asset managers, we basically just ask that any methods used to, to calculate these kind of things are clearly stated to allow us to compare across managers um, to avoid that kind of subjectivity um, issue we, we spoke about a bit earlier. Um, and we also pay attention to the objectives of the fund, i.e. whether they're kind of dual natured, i.e. is there a social and a financial objective or, or does one lead the other, which could uh, imply something else. Okay, and once you hold a fund, how do you then continuous, continuously monitor how the fund managers are performing on social impact? Yeah, so obviously we have quite a, um, a small um, investment team. So we combine some external social impact screens with proprietary research. Um, we also meet with the, the managers of all of the funds we use and, and do a very deep dive on the funds as part of our due diligence. Um, we like to understand the impact rationale behind the companies in a portfolio, because if, if it has a strong case, which is backed up by data, we can be pretty confident that it meets our impact threshold. Um, we'll also be more aware naturally of any related news flow and then kind of regular monitoring on the holdings and uh, impact reports or things like that can give us a reasonably good feel um, for the the impact credentials of a fund. And then external scores can act as a either a verification of that or a flag that we need to look at something a bit more deeply. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one thing that we haven't really touched on yet is inauthenticity. So obviously people whacking a certain keyword into the title of their vehicle and all of a sudden watching the, the inflows, you know. So yeah. have you ever uh, dropped or avoided a fund due to inauthenticity? Yeah. So obviously our because our portfolio has that dual objective, i.e. social and financial return, the authenticity around social impact is a very important thing for us to consider. So we have made the decision not to invest in funds because of a kind of poor conviction on this, i.e. holdings in the portfolio with weak impact rationales. So it's definitely something we, we will and we have and will do again in the future should we feel it necessary. So some of the flags we kind of look for, one of mentioned holdings with a weak impact rationale, um, another one is because of the subjectivity stories that have little data or evidence to back them up. And um, we like to see the kind of dual objective in the fund, similar to how we do things. Um, and we also look for evidence of uh, prioritizing asset gathering over actually achieving these objectives. Um, the, the final flag, uh, which can be useful, is looking at the first step in the universe creation of the fund i.e. how do they actually get their universe of, of companies they can invest in? Is, is it based on impact um, criteria or is it ba based on financials or the investment case? And if so, is, could there be an incentive somewhere to um, 
more heavily justify an impact case um, in some places versus others. Excellent. Thank you very much. And with that, episode two of S Club comes to an end. So, Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And thanks to all those who have tuned in and we will see you next time. Bye.